Well, welcome this morning. Uh, if you're joining us for the first time, uh, you're uh, jumping in on in the middle of a sermon series that we've started for the summer called Q&A, uh, but it's okay because each Sunday kind of stands alone. Uh, we're taking your questions uh, that we got from you earlier on in the year, and uh, we're giving you our best answers, or at least our attempts at our best answers, all right? Um, so uh, this morning, though, uh, we don't have so much of a, a specific question as kind of a question about a topic, and that topic is temptation. Uh, everybody, ooh, temptation, yeah, there you go. All right, but uh, so this morning, we're going to be looking at the, uh, the idea of temptation, what it is, and, and really what's at stake uh, in the process of temptation. And uh, for some of you, you're like, I don't really understand how that's a whole sermon. Temptation is pretty much a choice. You do what's right or you do what's wrong, and, and that's pretty much what temptation is, isn't it? And that is true to a certain degree, but temptation is a little bit more tricky than that. Because temptation, and this is what I want to get at uh, this morning, two, two things. Temptation reveals the condition of the heart. And the second thing is that when we are tempted, there is always more at stake than we think. And I want to illustrate, kind of set it up with a little bit of an illustration. Uh, James and I go out to lunch uh, periodically. We like to go to Jack's. This, by the, this is going to be a hypothetical story, just so I'm not throwing James about his sinful actions under the bus. But, uh, no, okay, I'll give, James, I'll give James the benefit of the doubt. So here we go. Uh, you know, James and I go for lunch, and we sit down at Jack's. And they send us to our table, and we, and we sit down. And uh, as we sit down, uh, you know, maybe James has to go to the washroom. If you've been to Jack's, it's like a mile hike into the other uh, building. Uh, but uh, we're sitting down. So I sit down, and on the table, there's 20 bucks. Now, probably what's happening is, you know, the person who was at the table before us left a tip, uh, and maybe the busboy didn't clean it up, or, or the waitress didn't clean it up. I don't know how they work over there at Jack's. But, uh, and so the $20 is sitting there. And for me, I, I'm faced with this temptation. What do I do? I could take the $20 and, and it could be mine. I could steal it. Or I could be honest and give it back. And then James comes back for the wash, from the washroom and sits down and goes, Oh, someone left their tip. Let me go grab it and take it to the waitress. See, we're both presented with the same situation. But the reality is that the temptation showed us the conditions of our heart. For James, oh, am I giving the benefit of the doubt here, it wasn't even an issue. James was automatically, it wasn't even temptation for him. He sat down in the same situation and said, oh, this belongs to that person, let me go do that. But for me, when I sat down, I was faced with the temptation of, do I choose what's wrong and take it or, or choose uh, obedience? And so temptation, the situations we're in, actually reveal to us the condition of our heart. Excuse me. And so, I want to talk about this morning about what those things that we struggle with. See, we, temptation is universal, right? We know that. I mean, Jesus himself was tempted uh, in a very famous passage in the Bible, three specific temptations. But we all have those things that we're tempted with. We all have those struggles, those things that we're trying to... To, to wrestle with, whether it be that, that family member that you know, we're trying to relate to in a, properly, or whether it's this business situation that I'm in, or whether it's this hab- habit that I'm you know, constantly doing, or whether it's this food thing, or this internet thing, or this uh, you know, 
this, uh, you know, stealing the tip money or whatever it is. We all have these things that are universal. They're, we're all tempted. And so as we wrestle these things, we have to, we have to fight the temptation. And I know that's kind of a, when we're tempted, fight the temptation. But we have to recognize that when we're tempted, there is always more at stake. See, we have this, this ability to kind of rationalize our own temptation. Have you noticed that? We like to say, you know, that thing that I'm struggling with, that, that choice that I'm having to make, you know, that's my own little thing over here. That's my private deal, right? Like, this is me over here, but then I've got this own little private thing that I'm wrestling with. So we all have those things. But the reality is, is that this private little thing has a lot more to do with who we are and with our confidence in God than we would often like to give credit for. In fact, I want to say that in every situation, in every temptation, the primary thing that is at stake is our confidence in who God is, in His authority and His power. And some of you might be saying, well, like, I'm not sure that my thing is, has anything to do with my confidence in God. Like, my food thing, it's my own, you know, I, I shouldn't eat a lot of, you know, that extra whatever. For me, it's cheesecake. For you, I don't know what it is, but, uh, sorry, just as a side note, my wife and daughters are uh, dairy-free, gluten-free. So, like, cheesecake for me is, like, the ultimate indulgence, all right? So... <laughs> Because uh, it's got all the bad stuff in it. But anyways, uh, so, um, anyway, so you know, we're thinking, oh, I got this own little private thing. That doesn't really have a lot to do with my confidence in God. See, my relationship with God is over here, and my, my actions are over here. But I want to challenge you this morning that in every situation, what's wrapped up in that choice-making process is our confidence with God. In fact, I would challenge you and go so far this morning to say that if we were able to bring into focus a proper understanding of who God is, His authority and His confidence in the middle of temptation, that we would experience deliverance from so many things. We would experience the breaking free. We would experiencing the healing. We would, experiencing, we would be experiencing the righteousness of God. And you might be saying, well, that's a lot of, you know, pretty lofty claims, Tim. That was pretty great for your introduction. But uh, I'm not sure I buy it. You know, I don't think that that's really what's going on. And, and just in case that you think that I was making that up, I'm not. That's actually coming from Scripture. And so this morning I want, to I want us to turn to 1 Corinthians 10. All right? And uh, I... I'll apologize because I, I don't have slides this morning, but the reason I don't have slides is because we're, we're going to look at two verses this morning and only two verses, all right? So if you open your Bible and find it, you don't have to flip a page, all right? So 1 Corinthians 10. All right. So what I want to do this morning is as you're opening your Bibles, uh, I'm going to... It's a very short passage. It's only two verses. So we're going to read through it, okay? Uh, and then I want to go back to it, and we're going to just kind of go line by line and, and kind of unpack it, and, says what it and, and deal with what it says. All right, so this is what it is. 1 Corinthians 10, 12 to 13. If you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. 
He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, He will show you a way out so that you can endure. Before we start unpacking this passage, uh, there's probably a little bit of a need for a preamble. And uh, the preamble is basically, what is this passage not saying? Uh, Some of you, uh, if you know, if you've been tracking with us over the last year with Steph and I, uh, it's been a difficult year for Steph and I. Uh, We lost, uh, we were expecting a child and we we lost our son uh, in January. And that was a very difficult situation. And as we were going through that situation, um, you know, there's a lot of things people say and, and a lot of, uh, you know, comfort people try and give you. And, and one of the things that, that comes out in that, in, in that time of, of distress is God will not give you more than you can handle. And there's, there's probably a grain of truth in there if, if you're looking at maybe Job or, or something like that. But the reality is most people, when they're quoting that to you, it's most likely a misquote of this passage right here. Because if we read it, it says, uh, God will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. Alright? So, the reality is, is that the Bible is full of stories of people who were in over their head. You know, Gideon was inadequate. Moses was overwhelmed. Esther was afraid. You know, in fact, Jesus himself... In Mark 14, you don't have to look this up, but I'll just read it to you. He took Peter, James, and John with him, and he became deeply troubled and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. If that's not feeling overwhelmed, I'm not sure what is. So if the passage is not saying about being overwhelmed, if the passage is not saying that, what is the passage saying? All right? And that's where we were going to go this morning. So I want to read the first sentence. If you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. First thing we need to recognize about this passage is it's for all of us. Paul here is writing to the church in Corinth and he's, uh, he's addressing a very particular issue there. And James actually talked about this uh, in the past. He's talked about the meat that was sacrificed to idols and whether the Christians should be uh, participating in eating those, that meat or not. Uh, and it's in the larger context of the idol worship that was going on in Corinth. And so, Paul was writing to a very particular situation. But right in the middle of him unraveling the particulars of that situation, he stops and in verse 12 and 13, he gives basically the universal principle that he's using. So he's saying, look, here's the universal principle. And out of this universal principle, we can understand what we should do in this particular situation of Corinth of, of food and, and, and idols. So I don't know how many of you are dealing with uh, feasts of food and served to idols. So maybe that particular situation isn't specific to you. But the universal principle here is the universal principle that's saying to, that Paul is saying it's for everyone. Whether you're weak and you're constantly in this struggle with temptation or whether you feel like you are strong and handling it, beware because this principle is for everyone. This message is for everyone. All right? So let's first recognize that this, this passage is talking to each and every one of us. So what does it say? The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. Have you ever noticed that uh, we have a, a human propensity or a desire to say that my situation is unique? 
You know what I mean? You've gone through your thing, but you don't know what it's like for me. You don't know my relationships. You don't know my struggles. You don't know this person and what they've done to me. My situation is unique. And right off the bat, Paul's going to disarm it and say, no, 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 no. It's not unique. The temptation that you're dealing with, the issue that you're dealing with, is the same that the Christians have been struggling with from the beginning of time. You are a part of a Christian body that is, has always been in this experience. It's not new to you. And so we need to understand that while the contemporary trend is to blame the way I, the way I am on God, to blame the way, my, the way I am on society, on our parents, or even on the devil, rather we need to understand that the most direct cause of sin is our human failing. That we are all involved in this process. That we all have to wrestle with temptation. See, no matter how unique our temptations seem externally, it's the same spiritual struggle that God's people have endured. It's the same issue at the heart of it. Two things, and that's where we're going. It's the, sa- it's the condition of the heart, and it's our confidence in God. That's what's at stake. See, it's universal. Jesus dealt with it, I deal with it, and you're going to deal with it. And so here's the universal principle that Paul writes next. And God is faithful. See, the reason that our confidence in God is at the heart of our temptation is because the the promise underlined in this struggle is that God is faithful. Regardless of what choice that we're dealing with, what habit, what failure, what relationship, what issue, what struggle, the reality is, in that situation, God is faithful. See, it has everything to do with our confidence in God. Because the, re- the temptation or the question that, that presents itself before us is, is God really faithful? Is He really able to deliver me? Is He really able to you know, exercise His authority in this, in this area? Can I really walk in His authority and actually believe and understand that and know with certainty that I will be able to walk out what God has promised? Is He really faithful? That's the question. So let's read the next sec- section. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. See, we need to have an understanding when we face temptation that no one makes us sin. Do you know that? Nobody makes you sin. We believe that we... Not we believe. I believe. I'll I'll claim this one. I believe that part of our core Christianity, our core Christian doctrine, is that God created us able to choose Him or to not choose Him. And that choice is a matter of our own understanding. That we have to choose Him. Yes, His providence makes that possible. And His death on the cross has opened the way for us to approach Him. But we are the ones who make the choice towards righteousness or towards disobedience. It's our choice. 
And we need to wrestle with that. See, certain factors may generate temptations. I'm not claiming that it's just a simple choice. Certainly, there are certain, temptation, or certain uh, situations that will press upon us one way or another. Certain issues that will predispose us one way or another. Certain habits that we've been ensnared in that will press against us and entrap us to not let us walk where we're supposed to. There are external issues that will come in to play, but at the heart of it, there still remains the internal choice to choose righteousness or not. See, the default reaction, the default reaction from the very beginning after sin was who knows what it was. She did it. He made me do it. It's their fault. It's the point and blame. And if we fall into the habit of point and blame, then we are actually taking away our own ability to actually walk out the choice. I don't have a choice in the matter. They made me do it. If you really knew how that person treated me, you'd know that I could not respond any other way. (laughs) That one hit a chord, I see. If you knew the struggle that I was going through, the difficulties that I'm walking through, the shortcomings that I have, you would know that there's no other way. But that's just not true. See, God gave us the choice. And in fact, the promise is this. When you are tempted, He will show you a way out so that you can endure. See, our culture would like to rewrite this verse. And it would probably say something like, but when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you don't have to stand up under it any longer. But that's not the case. God is not promising the the divine removal of the temptation. What He's promising is His authority and power that He has already given to you. And He is saying that the authority and power that I have given to you is enough to walk out, to stand up, to not fall, to not stumble. It's important to stress that the way out is not necessarily the removal of the difficult circumstances, but the ability to stand up under them. See, Jesus turned to His disciples in John 8, and you can go look at it later, but He says this, Everyone who sins is a slave to sin, but everyone who believes is set free. Have you ever thought about that? The difference between a slave and someone who's set free. See, a slave has no choice. A slave doesn't get to decide what they want to do. Whether they're in or whether they're out. Whether they're going to go here or whether they're going to stay. The slave is told what to do. The slave is driven. The slave is is pushed. The slave has no choice. Gets no say in it. See, the fact that you have a choice in your temptation 
The very reality that that choice exists shows that you are no longer a slave. The fact that you are believers, that you can actually say that Jesus actually freed me, actually gives you the opportunity to choose. Because without it, we are simply driven to disobedience. We have no choice in the matter. But here's the, here's the tricky part. And, here, and this is... Alright, this is kind of... This is a, this is a big deal, I guess, because when I was saying my sermon to Steph, uh, she thought this was cool. So, alright, so this comes with a Steph endorsement. But uh, <clears throat> the reality is, is if we accept we can't change... Why, why is it that so vital? Because if we believe that there are choices been made for us, if we believe that there's no way out, if we believe that we can't change, what we are saying in that moment is that God's authority and power cannot be involved in that situation. We're, we're putting limits on God's, our confidence in God's authority. What we're doing is we're actually saying, I know that you are an all-powerful, loving God, but there's this thing you can't touch, this thing you can't change, this place your love can't reach, this place that there is no hope. When we, when we actually buy into the fact that there can't be any change, when we give up our ability to choose, what we're actually doing is we are enslaving ourselves back to sin. Isn't that... That's ironic. The, I, the reality that free people, free people can actually choose and act their way into enslavement. That we can, that we can be enslaved to the very thing that we were freed from. That's, that's the part that Steph, Steph gives her endorsement to. That there is a freedom involved here. There is a freedom that goes beyond the, the situation. See, we are confronted, that, that passage that uh, when Jesus is talking to the disciples, He says, you know, there is a choice and it's only two masters. There's no neutral spot. You get to choose righteousness or choose disobedience. Choose the kingdom of light or choose the kingdom of darkness. Choose to be in on what God's doing or choose to be walking away and not a part of what God's doing. See, there's only two masters and we have to choose which one we're going to be a part of. And so, when we're in the middle of temptation, there's this, te there's this problem that happens. Because we want to individualize it, because we want to say it's our own private thing, because we want to say this doesn't have anything to do with, with God and, and my relationship with Him or with others, our, our understanding of the confidence of God tends to slide off our radar. And what we, are en what we end up with is just the unbearable, un the unbearable situation which we are unable to overcome. This choice, it's insurmountable because I cannot choose the other. I cannot choose righteousness because this thing is so strong. It has such a pull on me. It's, it's ingrained in me. It's rooted in who I am. But the truth is, if we would begin to stop and bring back into focus the authority and confidence of God, 
we would come to an understanding that there is no situation, no choice, no issue that is insurmountable in Him. With Him, all things are possible. And I firmly believe that in the middle of temptation, if we're able to move that confidence and authority to God back into the, the center of the screen, that we would be able to experience freedom and deliverance from so many things that we are struggling with. So many issues that we've written ourselves off, written God off in, and we've accepted as the norm. See, when I was growing up in church, I, this was, I don't think this was ever taught, but for whatever reason, I, I had this understanding that like, I was essentially in neutral. And temptation was unavoidable. I mean, Jesus was tempted. So obviously everyone's going to be tempted. So while I'm sitting here in neutral, I'm going to be constantly given choices. And I, it's up to me to choose right or wrong. But the truth is, there is no neutral state. First of all, as I said off the top, the condition of the heart actually walks us into certain temptations or walks us out of certain temptations. James had no issue. I did. The reason is, the condition of our heart actually walked James, or the condition of James's heart actually walked him out of that temptation. He avoided it altogether. So there's not a neutral. We're either walking into temptation or we're walking out of temptation. We're conditioning our heart one way or the other. However, temptation is going to find us. Even when we're choosing righteousness to walk away and we're conditioning our heart for the things of God, there will be choices along our path. And in the middle of those choices, we will have to choose. Am I going to believe what God really said about Himself? Or am I going to walk away and choose that disobedience? Am I going to have confidence in the authority that He has given me? Or am I going to try and do this on my own? See, the choice for this morning is very simple. The application for this morning is very simple. It's to choose righteousness. It's to choose the things of God. It's to condition our hearts to fill our minds and our hearts with the things of Him. Passage says, You stand and endure so that you stand and endure. So are we really standing in full confidence of who God is? Are we really understanding that God has made a way for us to overcome. The choice is simple this morning. And it's simple because there's only two options. And it's pretty no-brainer, at least in my eyes. It's the kingdom of light, the kingdom of darkness. To fill our minds with His things, or to fill our minds with things that are not of Him. Are we going to accept the authority that God has given us and embrace the choice of righteousness? See, God doesn't let us off the hook. A lot of us have this idea of temptation 
that, or idea of sin, I should say, that if I sit here on my hands long enough, I can avoid temptation. If I sit here and I'm, you know, just, I, I won't do anything. I'm, you know, pinning my hands under. I'm good. I'm all good. There's no, no sin will find me. But the truth is, that's not how sin works. First of all, we're not even accounting for the fact of what our mind, what our mind is doing, our eyes are doing, our heart is feeling. Beyond that, that's not even how sin works. <laughs> the reality is, is that it has ever, sin doesn't have sin isn't just about what we do. It's about our whole being. It's about our minds, our energies, and our passions. I love the way the message put, puts it. Love the Lord your God with all your passion, all your prayer, and all of your intelligence. See, we need to start, we need to get a shift in our minds. We need to stop viewing temptation as this sin avoidance. And we need to start recognizing that sin, or sorry, that we need to start recognizing that temptation is the choice for righteousness. Temptation is the opportunity to be a part of what God's doing. Now hear what I'm saying. I'm not saying that we should actively seek out temptation. That would totally not be right. But when we are tempted, we need to stop and recognize that this is a choice for righteousness. This is a choice to be a part of what God's a part of. To be a part of who He is. And so this morning, I'm going to ask, can we commit ourselves to choose righteousness, to pursue obedience? Ask ourselves this morning, what is the one thing I can do to choose righteousness this week? How am I going to prepare? How am I going to avoid? How am I going to deal with? How am I going to let hope begin to be restore that choice? How am I going to condition myself that when faced with temptation, I will recognize this is not a hopeless situation. That God's authority is here right now and I have been given the authority to stand up and choose through His Holy Spirit. Through His authority. To have confidence in who He is and what He says. I'm going to invite you to stand this morning why don't you stand with me? And I just want to pray over top of you this morning before we go. Father, I thank You that You love us. It doesn't matter whether we walked in here having committed a thousand sins or committed none. You love us. Whether we're entrapped in some sort of temptation choice that is overcoming us, that we see no hope in. Father, we know that You love us. Not only do You love us, but You have given us authority. That You have provided a way out. That that way out is not our, of our own choosing, our own doing. But it's of, of our choosing to put our confidence in You and in Your authority. That You are greater than any situation. You are greater than any relationship, any business deal. You are greater than any thing, any food thing or internet thing or, or whatever plagues us, Father. You are greater. 
And so, Father, I pray this morning that Your hope would begin to be dispelled from this place. That Your hope would begin to grow in each and every one of us. There is hope. There is a life not like this. Because there is a life in Your righteousness. There is a life with Your freedom. Father, I just ask that as we go from here, that we would choose righteousness, fill our hearts with the things, fill our hearts and our minds, our passions, our energies, with the things of You, that we will be able to walk by temptation, not even knowing it existed. And then in those times where we are tempted, Father, that we would recognize this is not sin avoidance. This is an opportunity to be in on what You're doing. An opportunity for Your righteousness. An opportunity to display the very character of God in our situation. Father, I pray this morning that You would give us the hope, that You would give us the authority, the power, and the confidence in You. In Your holy name. Amen.